Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by another one of the Dudley Boys, mm. Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube, mm. where we do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Collision, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. A little bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review AEW Collision, the best episode of Collision since Punk left. Oh, yeah, by far. This is probably better than half the stuff that he did when he was there. This yeah. so good. Yeah. This was so goddamn good. Mostly, there's still that kind of squashy, inaction-y stuff that's uh-huh. uh, now, now a fixture of collision where you're never going to get that buzz of a dynamite where it feels like it's the epicenter of the conversation where the big massive angles and promos happen. Um, it's a weekend show. It's for the freaks. Um, they know they're not going to get the biggest ratings and it's never like discussed because people have social lives at the weekends. Um, but in terms of an episode of TV, I had a blast with this. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Sorry. You're, you're obviously far more intelligent and you make very salient points. But you do look like you've been corrupted by Sky Blue. Oh, got blue mouth. <laughs> you are, it's it's almost on your teeth as well. Like your top seat tongue out. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a blue lollipop. But it's like it's it's like you've got you've had the mist. Yeah. It's all over your mouth. Great. Love it. Really <laughs> Thank you to Zach, by the way, again, who sent this. Oh, yeah, thank we're, you, Zach. We're still going through them, Zach. They are uh, they are getting us through this mad end-of-year uh, period in wrestling. But let's get straight into AW Collision, because, yeah, I love this show. Uh, and it started off brilliantly with a horse battle, some might say, uh, between Brody King and a horse. Uh, ah, <laughs> glad you end. <laughs> glad insane this. You knew it was going to be good the moment the match started, like, Really intriguing that the, the three continental classic matches because they all had very different match styles throughout. Like the very sort of technical, uh, sort of feeling out process for the for the main event, and obviously you had um, both guys looking to score their first win in the Andrade Daniel Garcia match. And this one, it was just, can I take my opponent's head off in the first ten seconds? And neither of them could, but they basically just kept hitting each other so hard that they both collapsed after about 30 seconds. And you didn't think, well, that's unbelievable. Yeah. You thought, oh, I'd be KO'd if yeah. that happened to me. Lariat strikes, big kicks, all that sort of thing. Eventually, 
Um, Castagnoli knocks Brody out to the floor, uh, does a big run round for the European uppercut, uh, sends him into the barricade, um, but King fires back with a lariat, drops Claudio, exposes the uh, barricade and hoys him into it to take us to our first break. Uh, when we come back, King hits Castagnoli with a slam and a senton, um, sets up for the cannonball, but Claudio comes flying out the corner with European uppercuts, goes for the swing, King gets off this time at least, um, and Castagnoli fires back with a double stomp for a two count. King fires back, um, but Castagnoli hits the uh, pop-up Swiss death uppercut thing for a near fall. Gets him in the uh, giant swing, transitions to the sharpshooter. Brody King manages to make it to the ropes, uh, despite Castagnoli holding on to, I think, three of his limbs at that point. Uh, he sidesteps a charge in the corner, does Brody. Sends him into the, that sends Claudio into the post. That allows King to hit the cannonball. Claudio kicks out at one. Oh, yeah. Brody can't believe it. Claudio escapes a Gonzo bomb, DVD, and this time it's Brody's turn to kick out a one, and Claudio to be the one who was shocked. Uh, King knocks Claudio out of the air with a huge forearm, though, and a pile driver uh, to get a near fall. In the end, he hits a huge lariat and gets the one, two, three. Um, I think I'm going to crown Brody King the winner of the Blue League because I don't think anyone can stop him now. Well, someone will. Yes. But it's going to be awesome because they've built him as this guy who's come out of, like, not nowhere, but, you know, they've done a good job of saying, basically, he's not done many singles matches. But now the story is, well, why not? He's obviously the best. He's obviously the most invincible. He's a freak. It's like if you're on a, we always equate this to football, soccer, for our uh, uh, North American listeners. It is like now seeing, wait a second, Man City have just got to go and play you know, no offense to them, Sheffield United and Burnley, and they've basically won the league. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, well, he'll probably lose against Brian Danielson, obviously, and nothing against these two, but like, he's got to go to Andrade and Daniel Garcia, and he'll. He should get some. Yeah, that's the thing. That's 12 points. That means Eddie Kingston can't catch it. They've done such an awesome job of the permutations yeah. on um, the Blue League. The Gold League has been a bit. Like, just good for mm. me. Not that compelling. Like, there's going to be some unpredictable matches later in it. Um, but there's goal league. There's something about the permutations. Like, Brody King's got to, like, lose against people mm. that he probably shouldn't be losing to. Eddie Kingston's got to win everything now. There's Danielson there. I think they've done an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, this goal league, uh, this blue league. I'm absolutely in love with it. And uh, there's two things I like to feel when I watch professional wrestling in 2023, which not... A lot of it moves me mm. anymore. I've talked at length about how we are post everything, about how they'll never promote anything as well as AEW promoted CM Punk's return to wrestling, how excess has killed AEW as much as its general creative decline because I've seen everything. Every shock jump, all the blood, all the violence, like these great stories, nothing else can really compete. So I don't really feel that much for professional wrestling in 2023 because I think we are entering or are in like a dark age for it. Mm. Like the excitement of 2017 and 2018 and 2019, that's oh, like I didn't feel that. No one felt that for a, like a, a, the century up yeah. to that point. It's like <laughs> yeah. competition in a major arena yeah. and all the rest of it. This episode of Collision made me feel things and two of my favorite things, because they're quite hard. In fact, they're almost impossible to get right is in the age of the hybrid athlete and we've lived through decades of it at this point like it's hard for me to watch something and feel awe 
Like, what's something that is strictest definition awesome? Mm. Not just a synonym of excellent or really good. Like, this is awesome. Yeah, not this is awesome. Like, the strictest definition of awesome where this has inspired within me a sense of awe and wonder and how is this even possible? That level of awe. And, oh, my God, <laughs> the giant swing here. Yeah. It's like, how the f*** <laughs> have you done this? It's impossible. It is literally awesome. Um, and again, like, horses who can move doing mass uh, matches with each other has been in vogue for, like, at least six years. Like, that Lee Dijak match from PWG. Yeah. Which NXT chased the dragon for, for, like, months after. Um, like, that wasn't even the first match of that genre. No. But, my God, this is one of the best I've seen from it. Like, Claudio Castagnoli wrestled this match like a centaur <laughs> who had dipped into radioactive material. Like, he's just a mutant. Yeah. Like, that giant swing was unbelievable. Like, the kickouts at one were so well-earned, mm. and it was so dramatic because you did get the sense, like, what is it going to take? Then you have to get that finish right as well. If you are doing a match where it's basically... And they justified the story, but they're basically doing Godzilla versus Kong. Like two absolutely massive units. You cannot separate them. They'll kill each other. They'll do like ridiculously inhuman things to each other. And if you're kicking out at one for like a Death Valley driver, like Jesus Christ, you have to make the finish look disgusting. And that Lariat was just unfriggin' believable. Are you laughing at my blue mouth again? No, no, I'm thinking about someone making an image of Brody Kong. <laughs> Brody Kong, why, why? He's, oh, he's, I love Brody his King. head on King Kong's body. It's annoying that AEW very often positions like wrestlers so well. And that's why when this the, the follow up is often very very poor. Like Wardlow to Keshta mm. for a while, it was looking like Ricky Starks. Um, it's annoying that they can't like routinely position wrestlers at the level that they can build them to because like Brody King, I'm just in love with him. Mm. He's done such a phenomenal job across these two matches of making me think, I'll give him the international title. Yeah. The other absolute AEW is the king of I'll give him that title. Yes. Them that title. Them that title because they give you such a glimpse of a wrestler that you fall in love with. And now it's harder to trust the process. Um but we 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 do this so often. Like Orange Cassidy, give him the world title after the international. Mm. Like Swerve, give him the world. Brody King, give him the international. They're so good at elevating. This cannon stick the landing. And it's a shame because, like, Brody King's just become a new favorite wrestler over the course of these two matches. Like, an honest to goodness, justified. I cannot believe what I'm watching. Like, the bit where Claudio flips onto his feet. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, I didn't feel like I would feel anything for this genre because, obviously, in wrestling, when something gets over, it just gets done ad nauseum, and it will just cannibalize and eat itself. Like, this felt like Godzilla vs. Kong. Like, yeah. just, if you haven't watched Collision, go and watch this match and the main event because the other main event made me feel something else, which is very, very impossible, but we'll get to that in due course. Um you mentioned the, the Gold League. We had uh, words from John Moxley after Dynamite where he's more banged up than he was before, and I sense this is a theme that's going to continue. Uh, he says, look, maybe the last few years have kind of caught up to me. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Uh, I'm tired of being pissed off 
I'm just going to do what I always do, though, fight and wrestle my way out of it and use every ounce of energy to win the Continental Classic. Uh, this is a tournament formed with the energy that built AEW. He called himself the ace of the world. Uh, there's no one in this tournament that can do anything to him uh, worse than the demons he has to fight on a daily basis. But if anyone thinks I'm right for the picking, take your best shot. Moxley's back on great promo form here. He is, but... At the same time, like a great promo gets me invested in the character cutting it and the match they're about to work. This is almost too candid and effective and believable because I couldn't help but watch it and hope that he's okay. Mm. Like, it didn't look like he was in a good place. Either that or he's just working to an absolutely fabulous level. But I couldn't escape the notion that I just hope John Moxley's all right watching this. Mm. Like, it was really, really candid, like really, really well done, I guess. I just hope he's okay. Um, the, the strength of great podcasters, in my opinion, is when they can admit that they're wrong. And uh, we got the only women's match on this show wrong. We did. Um, well, but to it, be fair, it's not October. Yes. So I didn't expect to see Abaddon in an AEW What ring. the hell are you doing yeah. here? Um, but I suppose technically it was title adjacent eventually. So we got there in the end. It was, yeah, Abaddon versus uh, Kiara Hogan. Um, yeah, surreal to see Abaddon in the ring uh, in... in a match not around Halloween, effectively. Uh, Hogan got some offense in. She uh, hit her with a big drop kick, but Abaddon comes back with strikes. Um, Hogan fires back, but uh, uh, Abaddon hits her with a big black hole slam and then an outside-in cutter for a nice near fall. Yeah, it didn't look good, though. Hogan comes back, sit-down neck breaker, gets her a near fall, uh, but then Abaddon kicks her, drops her with a knee, and hits the Black Dahlia DDT for the one, two, three. Post match, the lights go out when they uh, come back up. TBS champion Julia Hart's in the ring for a spooky stare down. A spooky story. And uh, when the lights come back, oh, I forgot to mention when Julia Hart appears, Abaddon sort of effectively breaks her own neck to turn her head to face. If you yeah. like lame supernatural adjacent stuff which i don't it, you might have thought that was a neat touch mm. uh, and then the lights go back off and on again uh, and julia hart has disappeared and abaddon's screaming in the ring uh, poor match cringe post match i'm sorry it just was mm. um look people get mad into this sort of stuff i don't i just watch hereditary and then watch <laughs> and then watch good wrestling you know what i mean yeah 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 i watch believable wrestling that has one foot in the world I live, if I want to watch wrestling, and then if I want to get scared, I'll watch Hereditary or something. Um, neither the twain shall meet. Um, in the match itself, like if you're going to do that sequence that Abaddon and Kira Hogan attempted, where do move, you try and lull your opponent into the corner, then you do like an outside in. It has to look like you have deceived your opponent, and then caught them unaware by flying back into the ring. Like, it did not look like that mm. at all. It just looked like they were cooperating very, very obviously and correcting their footwork as they went. So I am um, not a good match. And it's like, it's always bad when it's this short and it's not good. Um, but, you know, Anna J, uh, Anna, Anna J, Abaddon and Julia Hart... That might get over because there are certain wrestling fans who are just into that kind of vibe. Yeah, we we get excited when there's matches where people are going to try and out-cheat each other, for example. MGF, Chris Jericho, an obvious They're example. out-corrupt each other. Exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, we'll have some fun doing some weird spots for it. Uh, Maybe it'll be a spooky Christmas match. You never know. <laughs> no, well, I hope not. 
Wait a second. This present is wrapped in black wrapping paper. <laughs> um, Alex Marvez, man. I can't take my eyes off him. There was Samoa Joe, the kingdom, and Roderick Strong here, and I couldn't take my eyes off Marvez. Because it felt like he'd just frozen in place. Oh, he's he's kind of hopeless, isn't he? <laughs> I've, it's one of those, like, I've got, I'm a firm believer when you're doing comedy in punching up. You can say whatever you like when you're punching up. You can use satire and dark humor to mock that kind of thing. Uh, with Marvez, it's like, I just... <laughs> he has been responsible for two of the funniest moments in AEW history. He's just... Uh, he's not mean Gene Auckland, is he? And he got super kicked with the microphone in his hand. I mean, that's just objectively very funny. And him saying, when they go... He goes, yep, yeah, yeah, that's right, guys. He's really excited. He's got Luigi Primo, the pizza guy, backstage. And he's got, yep, yeah, backstage, Luigi Primo. <laughs> Ethan Page comes in and kicks his sodding head off. Luigi Primo's, that is. And you hear Marvin, and he goes, what are you doing? <laughs> he's just a bit, and I can say this because I'm like five foot seven, um, lacking in a chin, be spectacled. <laughs> he's a total geek. Yeah. Anyway, he's there with Samoa Joe. He wants to talk about MJF and how angry he is, obviously, that he's accepted this challenge for the devil's di uh, disciples or whatever they're called. Masked men is the um, verbiage used by AEW officially. Which, not to step on our own dick for uh, the preview, they shouldn't be for very long in that match. No, they shouldn't. Um, but before that can happen, in comes Roddy Strong and the kingdom <clears throat> to interrupt, and he does... He doesn't say Adam now. He says, Samoa! And uh, he says, look, I'm willing to forgive you to, for breaking my neck. Not once, but twice. Um, but uh, he's here to warn him. Basically, MJF's the devil. He says, look, my best friend Adam is a fan of MJF. Adam seems to like, Adam, MJF seems to like you. and Therefore, uh, you're a sort of by best friend by proxy. And uh, he says, look, this Wednesday is a big setup by the devil. He's probably plotting how to do it. Um, and Strong's like, you even listen to me, Joe, and Joe just laughs and walks off. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, just pay this devil stuff off now, please, please. Yeah, it's not going to stretch beyond World's End, is it? Uh, I, I hope not. Leave it in 2023. Yes. Because hey. whoever's revealed to be the devil is not going to be just the devil <laughs> I mean, it's gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a, oh, it's like, Satan incarnate. Okay. And yeah, yeah. And it's just like, all right, okay, well, the devil is, you know, revealed. And it's just the devil. It's just a guy in the devil mask, and he's going to be billed as the devil, and he's going to have these masked men. Like, they are going to be revealed to be existing, known people, whether they are in AEW now or whether they've just signed and haven't been revealed yet. They will eventually just be their real selves. This needs to happen very soon because no one thinks this devil stuff's like, oh. Good. The, the good thing is, if it goes down then, by the time you come back in in the new year, we'll have all just moved on from it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the devil goed now. Actually. The devil goed now. That's Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> um, we had Andrade El Idolo versus Daniel Garcia uh, in the Blue League of the Continental Classic. Next, we had Daddy Magic on commentary. Uh, Kevin Kelly saying, "Just a reminder: if you get involved, you're going to get fired." I did feel for Daddy Magic, I have to say, because he's got this, I don't know if it's a new T-shirt, but it's the first time I saw it, it was on commentary where it says, Daddy says no, like a Frankie says relax sort of thing. And he's like, right, yep, this is my new thing. I'm going to be Daddy. You know, I know he's been Daddy Magic for a while, but this is my new thing. I'm Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Comes back on SmackDown. I'm Daddy now. <laughs> I'm <having> a... <laughs> 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 I 
so, so yes, it was uh, well an opportunity for either of these guys to score their first points in the tournament. Garcia immediately tries for a uh, a roll up for two, and uh, says, "Oh, close." Uh, he sends uh, gets sent into the ropes. Does Andrade? He does his tranquilo stuff, and. Uh, Garcia gets drop kicked to the floor, slingshot dive, gives Andrade a two back inside. Uh, Garcia goes after his legs, hits a pair of dragon screws and a low drop kick for a near fall. Um, they fight out on the floor and Andrade shoves Garcia off the top rope uh, to take us to a break. When we come back, they're trading strikes. Uh, Garcia puts Andrade in the tree of woe and just starts hammering on the uh, the knee of Oh, him. yeah, I like that. Daddy Magic loved it on commentary as well. Uh, drop kick, spinning brain buster for a two count. Andrade comes back with some forearms, though a flying forearm, in fact. Sets up for the double knees. Um, he goes for the three amigos. Garcia reverses the third into a sleeper. So Andrade climbs the ropes with him on his back and hits a superplex. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love that. Finishes off the three amigos for a two count. Uh, Garcia reverses a figure eight, gets in the dragon tamer, and he's sort of trying to readjust his position or, or transition into like a pile driver. That allows Andrade to get out of it, reverse, hammerlock DDT, one, two, three. Garcia is, it's, it's the story, isn't it? He's yes. there or thereabouts. It's getting closer. Mm. Getting closer and closer and closer. Yeah, I wouldn't describe this as a great match, but it was good. Mm. Like, really good um, in parts. Um, Andrade's frustrating. Cause sometimes some of his stuff just looks so, like physical and impactful. Like when uh, Garcia did the drop down mm. and he instantly realizes he's going to do the leapfrog drop down. I'll counter that by just doing a basement drop kick in his ribs. Just like you could feel it. Oh. Ah. Um, so that was class. Elsewhere, it was good. You could feel it not being great. But I'll tell you what, like if they are telling that story and it's the sort of story that isn't really that effective beat by beat, because you know he's not going to win yet. So everything, there's this, this lack of drama, like true drama throughout. But they did a really, really good job of, is Garcia going to get into yeah. this one? Like the last two or three minutes, like I was biting on the on his, on his the idea that he might win. So I, it wasn't electrifying, but they kind of nearly got there in the end with that 1% of doubt. And he took that hammerlock DDT like a champ. <laughs> he <laughs> did. Like he'd cracked his forehead open on that, that canvas. I uh, I really enjoyed it, but the, 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 it's Garcia one. He's not going to give you blow away, back and forth, really unpredictable G1-style matches. He's maybe going to win his last one, and that kind of looms over everything he does. But for a pretty subtle, not subtle, pretty unsubtle story that they are telling, this is f effective. Uh, we get a recap of everything that happened in the Gold League on Wednesday with words from everyone. Swerve is basically unstoppable in that league. Uh, and a recap of Wardlow destroying AR Fox on Dynamite. Then Willie Max backstage. He says, you don't put your hands on my friends. Uh, you're going to have to reach out and touch me next week. Pack your lunch because I'm a big boy. He's challenging Wardlow to a big lads match. Delivery was weird here. Yes. Like charming, but weird. I don't know what... what I, was, I felt like it was her first take. Yeah. And I just went, oh, I'll do. <laughs> You lady guys. <laughs> I love Willie Mack, though. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Uh, Roderick Strong comes out. He, mm. doesn't, he doesn't say, yeah, he doesn't say Adam. Uh, so he says, Dasher! It's there and it's a, it's a it's a it's a caricature. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's coming from me. I know. <laughs> it's like you being an AW Wilborn watching Roderick Strong. We can dream. We can dream. <laughs> Just uh, I hate it. I genuinely hate it. It's such he's such a caricature. He's obviously not. It's the same problems I've had with WWE for literally years. Like just real people or people or characters you want to believe conceivably exist in the real world. Do not talk or act like that. It's a gimmick. It's a bit. And they have to just beat that dead horse. And it's one of those things where, me and Andy were talking about this in the office, uh, where, it, okay, his thing's Adam, right? And there's no Adam right now. But, like, just saying someone else's name isn't over. <laughs> like, they're getting... Adam is partially over. I'll yes. admit that. I'm not a huge fan of it, but it's over. But, like, Vicky Guerrero didn't stop saying, uh, sorry or something instead of excuse. Yeah. She said the same thing. So him shouting, Dasher or Samoa. Stupid. She's just shouting. It's now. just shouting and it's stupid. Now, the reason why, and I hated it, but some people found it funny. And as you say, it kind of gets a reaction when he says it backstage. You can hear the, the, the people in the seats go, <laughs> <sighs> That's the, basically yeah, the loudest. Yeah. <laughs> now, him saying Adam in that voice works because he is trying to be that annoying friend who you kind of can't be asked with. Oh, oh, no, I don't want to go for a pint with you. Oh, I'm going to come up with an excuse. Mm -hmm. And oh, you kind of do my head in. Uh, and then he's trying to reflect being that unwanted friend. 
by being this cloying, desperate for your affections. Janice from Friends. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Adam. <laughs> it only works when he's talking to Adam because he wants to communicate to Adam that he's desperate and needy and just off-putting because he has that relationship with Adam Cole or he wants to recover that relationship with Adam Cole. Why is he doing that voice to Dasha? Yes. He doesn't want to be her friend, I don't think, or at least it's not been established in the storyline. Mm-hmm. He's not, he doesn't need anything from her. He's not trying to manipulate her. Um. So why is he saying it like that to her? Yeah, that's a good point. It's because they think the voice is funny. And if, as a senior authority on funny voices. It isn't. Uh, anyway, dedicates the match to his best friend. Beat their asses. Uh, that is the Iron Savages. Great to see them in the ring. Yeah. Uh, Bronson and Boulder <laughs> versus the Kingdom. Uh, Boulder takes them both down, Taven and Bennett with a big crossbody. Choke slams Bennett onto the apron. Then everyone starts hitting dives. Uh, Bronson hits a tree slam on uh, Matt Taven for a two count. Tries for a, uh, Boulder this is, tries for a springboard moonsault. Misses. Uh, and the Kingdom hit Hail Mary for the one, two, three post match. Uh, obviously, Roderick Strong has been in the wheelchair the whole time, but wait a second. Jumps in the ring and hits, uh, I think, Jack Jameson, it was, with a big jump in knee. And he falls back into his wheelchair and <laughs> collapses and falls over, and they have to put it back together for him. In addition to it airing on a Saturday night, often with serious competition in the form of like real sports and WWE, um, I can see why Collision gets annihilated in these ratings because the pattern of the show is that the bookends, that which opens and closes the show, are usually very good, sometimes great, and quite important. Like everything in the middle is just jacked velocity, metal, heat, rampage. Yeah. It's just the most obvious winner versus loser fair. Very little angle advancement. <laughs> just this person is in the mix. The, this act is in the mix. Let's have them win a match to remind people that. Yeah. It, it, like Brian Danielson, if in fact he is like heavily involved in the creative of Collision, it's a very dry and boring booker. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is what's the point? Like I have yeah, when to they watch put, th- when they put the graphic. Sorry, when they put the graphic up for like stick around because later on House of Black are taking on Christopher Daniels and Matt Slidell, and I was like, cool squash coming then. Yeah, like the inaction squashy stuff. It's like uh, Perry Tony Khan was like, oh, you know, if something were to ever happen to me, I'm, I would give it to Danielson, and I'll uh, Brian Danielson is either my best or joint best or Favorite mm. or joint favorite wrestler ever is a book. Oh, this is boring. Yeah, yeah. Like I have to watch this because you know if it's something funny happens, I want to bury it. <laughs> if something if there's something class happens, I want to put it over. Like I have to apply insight to this because I'm reviewing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nothing happens really. They just <laughs> win or lose, and they do the moves. I do feel bad sometimes making notes, and I'm like. Some moves, some moves happened. Was, yeah. Like, I always go, like, they got some offense in because it's not a complete squash. It's not a Wardlow match. But no, you would just sat around waiting for about five minutes to pass and then they could hit a finish. Yeah, some moves happen. Then the pushed act wins. Yeah. It's not good television. Like, it is not good television. Like, there's no angles really on collision. There's storytelling within the guts of the matches, which is great. Yes. But... You need angles as well. Mm. Great promos. Yeah, I think if I wasn't reviewing this for my job, I, I would, would skip the middle every week. Yeah, I'd go 
What's the opener? Uh, maybe I want to keep an eye in on the all the Continental Classic matches. Da, 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 da. Where's that in the show? Okay, watch that. And then let's skip to the main event. Yeah, skip to the end. <laughs> so, like, ah, it's boring, isn't it? A lot of collision is just, like, filler. By the numbers, yeah. Total and utter unimaginative filler. Like, why would anyone want to watch this match realistically? Mm. Unless you're, like, a proper in the weeds, lap up everything, a set of initials, dictate my identity, like, hardcore ultra. Mm. Why am I watching this? Uh, Ethan Page is backstage with Lexi now. First of all, Ethan Page. Oh, my God. Incredible shape. Oh, he looks... Uh, Fair play. Looks great. Uh, and he says... Looks great. He says about that. He, with you. <laughs> he refocused after he lost to MJF a few months back. He's been racking up wins in Ring of Honor. Uh, he's been getting into the best shape of his life. And he did point out today, because we were watching a bit of Ring of Honor, he's like, oh, if you ever wonder where any of your favorite AW stars are, there you go. There you go. It's just, they're all on there. Uh, but yeah, he's been getting into the best shape of his life. If you've seen any of his posts on social media, you can tell, uh, well, actually... He says, he says he's been getting into the best shape of his life. And uh, and I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? He wants to become the king of Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he makes the challenge to Kenny Omega for a match. Oh Let's hear the name. <laughs> Press the button. Match in Montreal. I? Um, that's it. It's collision say. next week, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for this you know what's week. weird? You know they're taping it? What? Yeah, do you know when they're taping it? No, when? Well, we're going to have to do something else later in the week, all going well for the podcast on Friday, because they're taping it tomorrow night. What? I think it's because they must have, because they're doing Collision and Dynamite in that, maybe the Bell Centre in Montreal? Bell End Centre. He's going to tee you up and you just <laughs> did it anyway. <laughs> Nothing against the stars of AW, by the way, it's just a thing. I'm, I'm fairly certain they're taping Tuesday. it on tomorrow. I'm fairly certain. Well, AW and NXT going back head to head. Not really. <laughs> I will see. Like Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday. That's a long time. I'll never not get that spoiled. I'm sorry. We're going to have to do something else on Friday, maybe. It's a shame. I'd, Eddie and Claudio, like, you kind of think Eddie's going to win. Because oh, is, that, is that the match? Aye. No, save that for the end. Yes. Oh, I'm spoiled. I'm, I realize I apologize. But it's annoying because, like, that's like, you kind of suspect Eddie has to win. You can't just, like, say, I'm putting all the belts on the line. You could conceivably have him lose and not advance to the final. But surely you do that at the end. And then that informs his character arc. He's not going to go, like, nil five. I, I'm, it's, it's the, uh, I would have been on the hook for the result, though. It's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm really excited for this match. I'm not complaining about this match happening. But it is the age old wrestling fan thing of. I booked that differently. Yeah. And yeah. I sat here on Friday and I booked Eddie versus Claudio, final match in the Blue League, and Claudio goes through with a draw. Yeah. Like, uh, I Kingston winning in the 19th minute. Yeah. We'll see. I'm going to let the goalie, I'm going to let the Blue League, what league is it? <laughs> the Blue League. Yeah. I'm going to let yeah. the Blue League play out because the Blue League's goaded. But I, we had that. I'll never like. Taping on that match as well, tape. Like being on like X slash Twitter is kind of a big part of my job. I need to keep abreast of things, yeah. and it, like, not just for news, because I could just go on the respective news sites, like Fightful or The Observer or whatever. But I want to like use Twitter to like measure the temperature of the situation. Like, get it. I know it's like curated individually, so it's only like a really like possibly inaccurate sample of what the wrestling fandom thinks. But I do. I go to accounts that I hate mm. just to see what they're <laughs> thinking. Yeah. 
So I'll never not get it spoiled. Like, I can't go four days without Twitter. First of all, I'm addicted. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, I kind of need it for my job. Yeah. Because a lot of things break on there as well. There's yeah. some scoopsters who aren't like associated with like the more reputable outlets who know their stuff and they'll tweet. Man, I need to see the tweets. Ugh, that's frustrating. Anyway, uh, next up, it was a match tough to call. Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel versus the House of Black. You could just, the thing is, like, we do it as a bit on the Raw review. Like, you could just escape, <laughs> what, at least 50% of the collision matches? Mm. I mean, they, off, he's going to do it again there. They did get some offense in. Seidel early on in control. Um, Matthew sent Christopher Daniels out to the floor. Black hit him with a moonsault. That took us to a break. Seidel comes in and runs wild. Uh, kicks Malachi Black down. Slicing leg drop gets a two count. Uh, Seidel gets cut off on his way to the top rope. Uh, Daniels gets a sneaky tag in. And uh, I think it was Buddy Matthews, yeah, and Matt Seidel both hit Meteoras. That was a nice spot, I will say. Yeah. And then hit each other with jumping knees. Um, Black cuts off Seidel. Daniels hits him with a suicide dive. Uh, but Matthews hits Christopher Daniels with a curb stomp. Uh, Black hits Seidel with a jumping knee. And uh, Black waits for Daniels to get up. And then he gets his head taken off with the Black Mass for the one, two, three. I, as far as incredibly routine, predictable, I could go my whole life without watching this squash match. Squash matches go. There's some really entertaining stuff in here. Like, all four guys are great. Like, I love watching Malachi Black. Like, Buddy Matthews. You know how I've got this big hard on for, like, intent. If you're going to do something, make sure it looks like you're going to do it. Don't be John Cena. Like, yeah. Don't be John Cena's opponent during the five moves of Doom where they just listlessly go, right? Here's a clothesline. Another one. Like, Buddy Matthews has got backhand on him. If you don't duck that, yeah. Your teeth knocked out. You've got one of the better things that I hate, which is the numerous things. I'm a hater. Yeah. Like, you know, when. Even Danielson does this. Maybe that's the one thing that Kenny Omega doesn't do. But a few wrestlers have got this, I never hit this sequence, or you'll never do this move against me, even though I give you every opportunity. Like, Brian Danielson. Like, honestly, the only flaw in his game is when he does that backflip off the top turnbuckle, duck the clothesline, and then hit a clothesline yes. himself. He, jumping clothesline. Yeah, yeah, he always asks his opponent to do the move that never works. I hate the move that never works. Even if it's a wrestler who does a move that never works or asks their opponent to do a move that never works because they just someone ends up looking like an idiot. Part of the, part of the reason why Punk got so beloved in WWE is like he went to do the you know the the the, the John Cena. Oh, uh, you go for a clothesline, duck underneath, and he was just like, "What if I just didn't do that?" Yeah, thing? yeah. It's a smart. He's smart. Drop kick or something. So. Buddy Matthews is the be one of the best versions of that because he never, ever, ever has got, he's got a 0% success rate <laughs> with that swinging backhand. Someone always ducks and he only does it to set up his next sequence. But it looks like it would cave someone's head in at least. Yeah. Um, anyway, post-match, the lights go out and FTR's music hits. They come down. Uh, Malachi Black's grabbed her mic in the interim and says, uh, I assume you're here because you want to join the House of Black. I know you're family men, um, and we're the only family that have actually been here for you. Um, I've been a, I've been a lot of things, says Malachi Black, but I've never told a lie. And he puts the mic down, and says, "No, I watched him on Twitch once, and he told a lie within a minute of saying something else." <laughs> he uh, puts the mic 
down on the mat. Here you go, Dax. Couldn't Dax. be a Dax. I would look more like an asshole, but there we go. Dax reaches for it. It's obviously a trap, but he attacks him. Uh, they beat up him and Cash, uh, and they make Dax watch as he black masses the head off Cash Wheeler. And uh, Black grabs the mic and says, you see, no one's coming for you. You've got no bloody mates, have you? Got no fans. <laughs> Spin kick to Dax closes out the segment. Speaking of got no fans, uh, how's the Black got chance here? That FTR love affair between FTR and that crowd is dying a little bit, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, it's, it's not necessarily an, an indictment of their work. Um, it's not the end of the world. I think you could put them in a program with other heels, and they'd be over as the de facto baby faces, and that's still a popular act, but my God, that FTR 2022, 2023, mm. that's gone. Yeah. They were so over, and I don't know what's happened. Um, I don't know if the booking, maybe they should have went with FTR over the acclaimed, but then again, the, the acclaimed had that exact same crowd response at the same time. Yeah. You can only have one of them as champions, but I... I've noticed that FTR recently, the reactions aren't the same. House of Black got cheered at their expense here. We always talk about bubbles and how much X matters, how much wrestlers act online mm-hmm. when they're very online pro wrestlers, and if this actually matters and filters through to the arena, and if it does at all, does it happen eventually? I don't know what's happened, um, but people seem to be bored of this FTR legacy. I think they look like idiots, though, quite a lot as well. I don't think it's helped. Oh, God, no, no, no. Anyway. Look like morons here. Yeah. But they were getting the chance before that. Yeah. Uh, Renee's backstage with timeless Tony Storm. Um, she's annoyed, not just because she was interrupted by Sky Blue, but because some blonde bimbo was getting her hair done. I wonder if it's Renee. It wasn't. It was probably Maria May. Yeah. Um, Subtext. Uh, she, uh, yeah, she's a, but she was mainly annoyed by Sky Blue interrupting her championship presentation. Her advice to Sky is to walk backwards as the only time anyone has anything nice to say about her is when they're taking pictures of her bottom. Um, she says, fine. Sky Blue, you can be the first challenger for my title. Uh, chin up, tits out. Uh, I'm not wearing my new shoes because I've got gout. So she steals Renee's shoe and throws it at her. Renee's like, what's he evil? <laughs> um, and then when we go to break, we come back and Sky Blue says, you're having a midlife crisis. It's pathetic. You haven't this, met this version of Sky. Bring your butler, bring your blonde bimbo and all the 1940s crap stuffed up your robe. Bring your best, because I'm going to have my chin-up tits out and I'll shove that shoe right up your ass. You that match on Wednesday. Your gusto was about infinitely more than hers. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. it is with Sky Blue, whether she's not particularly confident at promos mm-hmm. or just a general attitude or what, but uh, she doesn't really seem dialed in when she's got a camera stuck in her face. No. Uh, video package hyping up Adam Copeland versus Christian Cage. Oh, my God. Didn't, didn't, need dynamite. Any, didn't need any more hyping up for that one, obviously. And then we get a standby match. It was revealed to be a standby match. It was Kip Sabian oh my God. versus El Hijo Del Vikingo. Instantly three and a half stars purely for the idea of it existing. Yeah. It's the opposite of an impromptu match. I love this so much. I do. I do. Uh, like, I just got an erection. I love I loved this. It's a standby match. Jesus. But I also like the idea then in my head of every week them standing there at Gorilla, and Tony's like, sorry, we've run to time, guys. Yeah. Trapes off again. Uh, it's believable. More squashes, please, if we get this sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. we had a little uh, pre-tape thing with uh, Sabian calling Vikingo the most overrated wrestler, because of the underrated. Go uh, back, go back. <laughs> uh, Vikingo's just preposterous. 
Uh, double springboard arm drag early on. Some Tejeras. Sabian cuts off for Kingo's dive, though, and hits an Arabian press to the floor to take us to a break. Come back. Hurricane kick from Vikingo. He hits a torture rack into a knee lift and a middle rope Phoenix splash. I think that's what it was. Yeah, it's, it's bonkers. It's absolutely uh, absurd, absurd professional wrestler. Sabian held his own, though. Step, uh, step up Hurricane Ron off the top rope and a Mishinoku driver gets him a two count. Um, Sabian got sent to the floor with a forearm. Corkscrew Torneo uh, from Vikingo. He hits a running Meteora and then a 6.30 splash for the win. And uh, Sabian blows off the handshake afterwards. Absolutely absurd professional wrestler. This match was fun, not great, but it was really fun. Some cool stuff in it. Hopefully it's um, a sign that they're going to do more with Vikingo because mm. they've just a guide the most exciting wrestler on the planet. You know what I mean? When you remember before the Kenny match, you'd see Vikingo and you'd see like the odd MP4 on X or whatever, or the odd GIF. It's like this guy is unfriggin' believable. Then he turns up in AEW and he has that match with Kenny. And then afterwards, it's like, I'll just do some tags. I understand there's like a. Polit- and we're bringing Commander at the exact same time. Yes. I understand there's like a political situation with AAA and he's not exactly their talent. So I think the general deal, and I might be wrong on this, I'm willing to be corrected as always, but I think the general deal is because he's not ours, uh, we can't put him in a proper storyline or have him lose. He never takes the pin, I don't think, when he does tags. Um, But he's very much, he's so good, we'll gladly book him when we can have him. Yeah. Um, But I need need to do more. That's the thing. It's It's that thing with AEW is that it's so greedy and they've expanded their roster so much because you say, oh, you have to do more with, then you can like put 30 different wrestlers at the end of that sentence. So maybe they don't have to do more with them. <laughs> they actually just shut up. Tony Khan is the very hungry caterpillar. Yes, he is, eh? <laughs> Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Keith Lee? Keith Lee is backstage with Lexi Nair. Uh, and she's like, oh, who's this mystery man you're talking about? And Shane Taylor shows up and goes, Probably me. Yeah. So how about we have a fight at RH Final Battle? And Lee goes, undubitably. This is infuriating to me. Absolutely infuriating. So you have Final Battle, right? Last year, they do this match. It's like Swerve and Keith Lee versus Shane Taylor Promotions, right? Um, And then a year of pretty much nothing happens in the life and career of Keith Lee other than he has a little bit of a... Exchange with Swerve in the Double or Nothing Battle Royal. He tags with Dustin Rhodes a few times. Yep. And that's pretty much it. And then Shane Taylor says something to the effect of, um, years past, now I haven't forgotten. So we're going to finish this. Like, don't you dare, Tony Khan, make it feel like this is big, this big, epic, yeah. long feud that must come to an end at long, bloody last at Final Battle, they've interacted like four times on television since, and Keith Lee's done absolutely f***ing nothing. <laughs> I do think as well, like, what, the, the, the him he's referring to isn't Shane Taylor, is it? I don't care at this point. It's one of those where, if it is, why don't you just say Shane Taylor? Yeah. You've been saying Shane Taylor loads. And if Even if it's Swerve, I don't believe that they hate each other anymore. Oh, they, they send a block and like send him out of action. Yeah. Go Keith Lee, sure, right? I'll stop at nothing until I get him. In fact, I'll go on a destructive rampage until I get him. They're just... Stop caring about each other, and so did I. It's I, something's going on with Keith Lee. Mm-hmm. There's a story that will come out in the years to come. 
Uh, like, I don't know the story, but I know that we, there is one. I agree. I don't know if it's him just not wanting to do jobs or like maybe another injury that's prevented the, you know, effective planning and push and character arc of that wrestler. But it's, so, it's just too stupid. I know Tony Khan's not at his, he's not operating at the peak of his creative powers, but he's not that staffed. No. Uh, Lexi Nairs there with CJ Perry. Congratulates her on her client's big win. Uh, in comes Miro, who's going to kick Andrade's ass. Uh, and Perry says, well, don't do that. Um, oh, why not? <laughs> she knows uh, Miro thinks that bad things will happen. She's got to prove herself. Uh, he's a grown man, um, so she's not going to stand in his way. Um, uh, oh, no. If you, really want, if you really have any love for me, you'll let me do this, basically. And uh, Miro says, oh, there's no God left, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but he says, all right, you know, you want to find your own way. I won't lay any hands on your client. It's crap, isn't it? <laughs> I forgot who said what, to be honest. It's I crap. I don't care like, about matter. it. I do not care about it one bit. Skip to the end. Just have Miro and CJ Perry as an act, which is what this, this is building towards so poorly. Mm. Main event time? Main event time, baby. I can't wait. Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston. Oh, my God. Continental Classic Blue League. Uh, like I said, compared to the opener and the the uh, Andrade, Daniel Garcia, a really different vibe. It's a real sort of feeling out process. And res- respect mixed with utter contempt is how I would describe the uh, exchanges early on. They do the bit. It's like, oh, I've got you in the corner. Oh, slowly separate. I'll chop the crap out of your chest. Eddie Kingston sort of lets, lets the first one slide. Uh, and then the second time, he goes, oh, okay, we're doing, in the words of, I think it was Nick Diaz, we're doing chopping <laughs> now, are we? That's oh, my God. Oh, my God. <clears throat> Just bleed for those chops. Uh, and the uh, reaction was very similar from uh, Nigel, Nigel McGuinness on commentary. It was giddy. He was loving watching, <coughs> watching Danielson get knocked down with that. Uh, and then Kingston, like I said, gets back into it. Kicks Danielson. Danielson's like, oh, my arm. That wasn't very respectful. He's like, oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> Ankle pick, bitch. Uh, starts laying in some chops to Kingston's chest. They trade some submissions. Kingston gets uh, sent to the apron with a German suplex. Uh, he gets, he's holding on to the top row. He gets his head kicked off twice, but he's still holding on. So uh, Danielson kicks the legs out from underneath him. Uh, goes for a dive. Kingston cuts him off and hits him with a Saito suplex to take us to a break. Um, when we come back, they're fighting for position on the top rope. Danielson's hitting him with elbows. Head butts him down despite the fact of his previous head injuries and his eye injury. Uh, fractured orbital bone or whatever it was. Danielson hits a shotgun drop kick. Uh, they both get up, trade shots. K- Kingston's arm gets hooked and put in the label lock from Danielson. He escapes. Um, Gets Danielson down, he's sort of ground and pounding on the top, and then Danielson starts just doing sort of up strikes from the bottom. Uh, Kingston avoids a running knee, hits another Saito suplex, and a spinning back fist uh, for a near fall uh, out of nowhere. And he's he's gutted that he's he's not got it there. He's, he's drained off the back of that. So he hits the Northern Lights bomb, but he can't get a three off that either. Starts uh, putting knees into Brian Danielson's face, but Danielson backdrops his way out of a powerbomb, hits a head kick. Kingston comes back with a half-and-half half suplex, goes for another back fist. Danielson ducks it. Regal Plex takes Kingston down, kicks him in the chest. Kingston's chucking some slaps up there. Um, Danielson hits a side suplex, does the stomps on uh, Eddie Kingston's face. 
uh, effectively telling him to stay down, and Kingston just screams in his face and gives him the middle finger. Oh, slowly climbs to his feet and just gets hit with a huge running knee from Brian Danielson for the one, two, three, who uh, celebrates and then takes a sign that says Eddie Kingston is a bomb into the ring and leaves it on him. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. The two emotions that I like to feel during wrestling were felt on this episode of Collision. I either want to feel wonder and awe and how are you doing that and I'm just exhilarated by this unbelievable athletic spectacle. And then the other thing I want to feel is two people who hate each other, kicking each other's ass, and like really telling the story of a proper struggle that I'm emotionally invested in. Eddie Kingston on... One level, the level that is probably the most important, is probably probably the best worker in the world. Yeah, I, Daniels Daniels is the best overall wrestler. If and if he isn't, it's uh, Kenny Omega. Even though on form at the minute, it's Danielson. Eddie Kingston does things in his matches that does things in his matches that no one else can do. Like early on, I, I, it's so early on. Uh, Danielson does the thing where he's gonna go and wrestle. And he's like. Now it's gonna take a step back and just go through the ropes. Oh yeah! And Kingston's got that look of just pure sarcasm on his face, like "Ah, go on, you dickhead, you are a complete dickhead," and you believe every single expression yeah. on his face. Like his facial expressions in this match were actually genius. Whether it was the sarcasm, which we know is the close relative of anger, so he gets furious later on, just. Desperation, that almost like plaintive look on his face when he's like, I know I'm gonna lose, but I just don't want to and I resent it. There's no one else who can sell in wrestling how much they hate getting their ass kicked than Eddie Kingston. Because it's never just like the, this anguish in his face, but that's there as well. He knows how to sell, he knows how to like credibly convey that he's feeling a lot of pain. But like it's just the resentment of oh, I'm getting my ass kicked again, and I hate this. I'll never give up. But I hate this. Like the bit when he's on his knees. And like this is so beautifully ugly. Like he's not even like this looks so weird. But it's probably what you would do in that situation. If you're down to your knees and they've been worked over and you've been just thrown around and kicked the shit out of by Brian Danielson mm-hmm. of all people. And you fall into your knees, you're just gonna hit whatever he can mm. land. It doesn't look good, but it looks good, but deliberately ugly. Yeah. It's gonna try and hit you on the top of the shoulder. What's that gonna do? It's like nothing, but I need to do it. Do you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. it's not gonna hurt him, but or that much, but I just I need to get this out. There's a bump early on. I think it's when he just before Kingston got sent to the floor. Oh, he's on just clinging onto the top rope and got kicked to the floor. Where Danielson hit him with something, I can't remember who it was. I think he got dropped on his head basically. And he got up and you're like, oh, okay, Kingston's fine. And then he just fell back. Yeah. It was such a good He's sell. just unbelievable. He's absolutely unbelievable at this. He felt Hatred, animosity, defiance, like the idea that Eddie Kingston was in a fight, loved it, hated losing it, just wanted to give everything he had, and he knows it's never enough against Danielson. One day he'll beat him, and it'll be unbelievable, by the way. But just the sheer attritional hatred in this match was something else. And my God, like, I get a new favorite chopper every single week. It's not Roosh. Yeah. It's not Gunther. Eddie Kingston's chops to Danielson were like... Gunshot, oh, like amazing. I think I watched that. Yeah, the first one that dropped him, that thing that you got excited for, and McGuinness got excited for. It was like someone's gone, like Miz has gone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a chop battle with Gunther here, and he's like, Gunther's like, okay, hit me with you. Right, okay, here's how you do a chop, mate. Yeah, bang. bang. It was class because, and again, that just made the finish all the more heartbreaking. If you're Eddie Kingston, one, you can hit really hard. 
you reserve your hardest hits for someone like Danielson, who you resent for being so great yeah. and for being such a patronizing arsehole to you, which Danielson has been throughout the AEW run. Um, even when they were like loosely aligned with the BCC with Eddie and Mox's friendship, like it was Danielson who was like, You can't set Chris Jericho on fire. What the f- are you doing? Mm. They've always had this like, nice continuity, they've always had this tension. And you smack Danielson as hard as he can on the chest. No, the hardest chops I've seen since the last time Rush wrestled. <laughs> and he still can't get it done. He's obviously going to hate and it's going to be written all over his face. Oh, go down for God's sake. I'll just lose once in life against me. Eddie Kingston does things to me that no other wrestler can. Daniels has been so great having him on mainline AEW television this past couple of weeks. Yeah. He's probably, he was one of the difference makers yeah. in my investment in all of this. Just such an arsehole, though. Uh, he's just, so, uh, you can't just, it's your first win. He's right? Fergie. He's Sir Alex Ferguson. You can't just go, yeah, and even even if you want to go climb out and as you're walking up the ramp to celebrate. Cut a promo saying no one's going to beat me. I'm going to win this entire tournament. No, your focus isn't on that, is it? It's on, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's that? That's funny. There's a sign that says Eddie Kingston's a bum. He's just lost two in a row. He's absolutely gutted right now. Yeah. And rub it in his face. Twist he, that knife. When he when he wakes up from that psycho knee, he's going to wake up to see there's a sign on his chest that says Eddie Kingston's a bum. Yeah. I won't be surprised if Eddie Kingston carries that with him into next week's show. Yeah. I'll fucking show you. He's class. Does things to me that very few wrestlers do. Really good episode of Collision. Let us know your thoughts on it on X at What Culture WWE. Watch they can follow both of us. You can follow uh, Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts. SmackDown reviews coming your way later on. Uh, we're doing a live Q and A on YouTube at two thirty PM GMT. I'm working out wherever you are in the UK, yeah. and uh, we'll all be back. I oh, know it'd just be me and Sid because Captain Part Time's off. Uh, for his afternoon a few hours that'll be enough uh, me and Sid will be here to preview Monday Night Raw a little bit later on and we'll obviously be looking ahead to Dynamite later on this week but for now this has been the AW Collision Review my thanks to Michael Sidgwick thank you for joining us and we will see you soon Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter it's innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.